Good morning, church family. This is Pastor Dan here back with uh, Hope Daily. Thanks for listening. Um, We're going to be returning to our Bible as Poetry series. If you checked in with us last week, then you you know that we're going to be reading through the book of Psalms, and we're going to be reading through it, uh, really, we're going to, like, poetry, because that whole book is a book of poetry. And specifically, we're going to be using my senior year English teacher's uh, poetry tactics. So, if you want to hear what those are, and specifically if you want to hear some of the um, Hebrew writing techniques that go into uh, Hebrew poetry, then you might want to watch or listen back to that episode. Uh, but for now, what I want to do, I, I really want to start um, with a little bit of prayer before we jump into reading the Book of Psalms. And I just want us to kind of get ourselves in the right mindset and and be willing to understand what God says and be ready to receive what what he has for us. So if you would pray with me, uh, that would be great. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity uh, just to read your word, God, just to hear what you have to say, to really be able to to understand it, Lord, to giving us the education, giving us the literal text in our hands, God. It's just such a blessing that we have these opportunities that generations of Christians haven't had, God. And I just pray that as we read through your word, Lord, that we can Uh, not seek to implant our own ideas into it, God, but be patient and listening to the ideas that you have for us. I just ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. So we're going to be reading uh, Psalms chapter one. And one of the tactics that we talked about last week is to do a reading all the way through um, just sort of cold. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to pick anything out. We're just going to read it. Like a normal piece of poetry, we're not going to think about it, we're just going to read it. And then we're going to come back a second time, and we're going to point out some things that we notice. All right, so let's do that. Let's take a deep breath. I'm reading from uh, the NIV, if there's any sort of differences between your text and mine. But here we go. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like shaft that the wind blows away. Therefore, The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So we just want to sit with that for a second before we go back in with a little bit more of a magnifying glass as we try and pick apart some of the tactics and some of the techniques that the author is using just to get this idea across. So let's go back to verse 1 and start reading again. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on this law day and night. So this is an example of the parallelism that we were talking about last week, verses 1 and 2. So it's talking about a a righteous person, a blessed person, somebody who is in a favorable position. And there's two ideas And it's a bit of a completion parallelism. The first verse is talking about what someone does not do. They do not walk in step with the wicked. 
they do not stand in the way of sinners, and they do not sit in the company of mockers. And then verse 2 completes this idea by what a righteous person does do. Um, that person's delight delights in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on that law day and night. So right from the off, the author kind of points out that a righteous person isn't just about what someone doesn't do. They don't just avoid sin, but they also have a delightful heart in the law of the Lord and a passion and a desire and a commitment to meditate on that law day and night. All right, let's, uh, let's keep reading. So that person is, this is verse three, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So this is a little bit of imagery, something that we're familiar with in Western uh, literature. It's just an idea of comparing uh, this righteous person, this blessed person, to a tree planted by streams of water. Now, a tree planted by streams of water has all types of connotations. It points a couple of them out here. It yields its fruit in season. Its leaves, leaves don't wither. It's a very strong, uh, vibrant tree. Um, but we're not quite sure yet everything we're supposed to take away. So let's let's hop on to the next verse. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. So we get our, uh, this is another instance of parallelism, these two these two verses, verses three and four. We have the righteous person or the blessed person is compared to a tree planted by streams of water and a wicked person is compared to chaff. So again, there is uh, this, instead of being completion, which was the previous use of parallelism, this is um, contrast. So the righteous person is compared to a tree and the wicked person is compared to chaff. So we might not be as familiar with chaff. Uh, chaff is sort of the waste that comes from when you glean uh, wheat from your, uh, or grain from your crops. It, it's kind of the husks that, that the wheat sort of sits in. They protect the, the wheat during the growing process, but they aren't milled into bread. They aren't used to plant. They're just uh, wasteful. They're also not particularly sturdy. If you've, I grew up around farms when I was younger, and this kind of stuff sort of just blew around everywhere. You'd get it on the sides of roads. It's very easy to crush in your hands. Um, it's not an especially uh, strong or, or vibrant or alive plant. It's, it's kind of specifically plant waste. Um, now, it's obviously, these are the things that are, are being contrasted. The, these are the big differences there. You couldn't find two more different plants. Um, the tree that's planted by water, unlike the shaft, is strong, it's sturdy, it produces fruit when it's supposed to produce fruit, and its leaves are vibrant and alive. We can also see that the tree clearly has a future. Uh, produces its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither. There's this idea that not only is the tree alive, but that it will continue to be alive. On the other hand, the shaft is on the end of its road. It is destroyed. It is uh, useless at this point. It, it doesn't have a future. There's no, there's no life for it, only, only destruction. Let's keep going into verses 5 and 6. Therefore, the, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So this continues the idea more concretely for the author. We're kind of moving away from imagery, but there is still a little bit of imagery here. When they're saying, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, there's this idea that you won't be able to withstand uh, the judgment. 
the, the wicked are not going to be able to survive or make it through the judgment. They're not going to be standing tall at the end of the judgment. And then, nor, sin, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The righteous is often a term used to kind of signify God's people. So it's just pointing out that the wicked are not going to be a part of that, uh, that distinction. And then in verse 6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This sort of just points out what the destinies are for the righteous people and for the wicked. If the Lord is watching over the way of the righteous, the Lord is with the righteous. He's beside them as they walk. He has kind of concern and care for them. Think about how a father watches over their kids or a mother watches over their kids. It's the same idea here. And in the opposite end, uh, the, the path of the wicked leads to destruction. There's no future in it. There's only death. Um, so now that we've read uh, through Psalms chapter 1 two times, I'm going to give us just a minute, uh, if you want to pause the podcast here, and just take a second to respond to the passage. Think about how it makes you Uh, feel, think about some of the thoughts that come up. How how does that, how do you want to, or how do you feel in response to the poem? So I'm just going to give you a second to do that. If you want to pause the podcast, you're more than welcome to. And then uh, we'll, we'll get into, I'll tell you guys what my takeaway is. So I think in a lot of poetry, the, the, the point usually is when they're using these techniques, when they're using poetic techniques, they're trying to alert the reader to the, the message of the poem. They're trying to alert the reader to what's being talked about. Um, in Western literature, usually it's a lot of rhyming. What ideas are rhymed together? Why are they rhymed together? Are they supposed to be similar? What am I supposed to notice in this rhyming? The big uh, sort of piece of writing in this, in this poem here comes in verses three and four. That's kind of where we see the most artistry on display. There's imagery. There's two pieces of imagery between the tree and the shaft. Um, There is some uh, contrasting parallelism between verses three and four. And the surrounding verses are used kind of like in supplement to those other verses. Verses one and two explain what a blessed person is so that when the author compares it to a tree, you kind of know who it's talking about. And then verses five and six sort of explain what that future looks like, what happens to people in those instances. And I think what the author is trying to do is try to really just instruct us to fall in love with Scripture, to delight in Scripture, and to uh, meditate on it day and night, to be reading God's Word on a regular basis. Um, It's a piece of wisdom literature. It's trying to point out what is going to happen to you if you do X or if you don't do X or if you do Y or you don't do Y. Um, but it is it is trying to teach us and convince us of this path that it wants us to take. I think when I walk away from a passage like this, my initial feeling, my initial gut feeling is almost a, a little bit of calling out. I feel that the passage is doing. It, it's not really um, directly saying, hey, reader, are you doing X or are you doing Y? Are you messing up or, or are you following God's word? But by pointing out what a righteous person is like and how that righteous person uh, kind of like is producing look what they look like, how, they, how they're living, kind of comparing them to that tree and, and much in the contrast as well with the wicked person, I do feel a little bit like that question pops up in my head, which, which am I? 
today? Do, do I feel like the tree? Do I feel like I'm uh, alive? Do I feel like I'm, you know, rooted in God's word by living water? Or do I feel like I'm ready to get crushed underfoot? Now, obviously, there's life circumstances that, that are probably going to change a little bit of how we're feeling. But also, we, we can't neglect the fact that our decisions have a big impact on our lives, too. How we respond to those life situations, are we leaning to God or are we leaning to our flesh? Are we navigating our lives based on our own desires? This passage is supposed to be really putting a, a very, um, a, a really sharp sort of convicting blow to to what we are doing in this moment. Do we feel like a living tree or do we feel like a shaft? Um, that, that has really no future and it's ready to be destroyed. So if you take anything away, uh, I hope that that thought is, is one that you're uh, rolling around in your head today. But what's awesome about this passage is it doesn't leave you in that place. It doesn't say, all right, well, if you're a shaft, that's just the way it is. It gives you instruction on how to follow God and, and what to do and how to find that life abundant. Um, uh, and, and to be like a tree planted by streams of flowing water. So I want to encourage you guys towards that today, and I want to thank you also for diving into this passage with me. Next week, we're going to look at Psalms chapter 2, which is a little bit different from this one, um, but I'm excited for it nonetheless. Uh, thanks again, and I just hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.